everybody. Welcome to Soul Food Priest with Father Ben. It's great to have you. I'm here with Kira Roddy. Kira, how are you? I'm doing really well today. Thank Good. you. Praise yes. God. I'm elated because we have a good guest speaker here. I don't know about good, but we got a guest speaker. Good is a relative <laughs> word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We're here with Father Anthony from Pennsylvania. Father, welcome Thanks. to Dixie, Thanks man. Yeah, it's good to be here. Dude. I told everyone yesterday at the parish, I said, you know, there was an Elvis sighting at a supermarket down there, so I got to go check it out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's where you go to Memphis, you know? Oh, yeah. you, you know, part to see Elvis. Is this you know? like when you come from Pennsylvania to Memphis... Father, or do they do, do they think you're like going to Tajikistan or something? Yeah, like do they think you need a passport? Because to come down here? this part of Pennsylvania, um, it's I really like it, but it's the western top corner of Pennsylvania, and it's a little bit in the middle of nowhere. Mm. You know, it's right on it's it is right on Lake Erie, mm-hmm. but yeah, Erie might as well be. Curtis or uh, Memphis might as well be Curtis State. Yeah, or right, like right. That. Do they? Yeah. Do you guys have like penguins up there and stuff? Yeah, we have penguins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Really, really and so like the this is really off the grid to come here. Penguins. Yeah. Wow. And so I was thinking about this today. How long have we known each other? Because I know we met in 1812. We met in 1812 <laughs> at St. Paul's. So, right. Yeah, that's Remember right. Remember that back in the day? Yes. St. Paul's back in the day. And I'm going to guess probably 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah. I think it was about 12. About 12. But again, like, you know how time just kind of flies. Right. Yeah. Time really flies. Right. So I think it was 12 years ago. And I... And I remember, I still remember meeting you. You know why? Because I said, well, how is this priest is so young, but he doesn't have any hair? You know, that's the first thing that I said at St. Paul's. And at uh, any rate, we were, we were kind of like, uh, I think I was there to promote a parish mission or something. Yeah. We were doing yeah. a holy rosary or, or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, rem- I, do, I do remember that. And then we've just been friends and for, for the years and mm. lots of good stuff good friends in memphis yeah, is a bit of a second home for me if not yeah. a first home you know yeah mm. and then i've been to holy land with uh, the group from memphis oh, that's you know, right yeah lords with the group from memphis so um memphis so you should a, just come to memphis i know it it's i know <laughs> it it's just a, it's just a great place so it's well cool to be it's back. pretty uh, it is always a joy to have you my friend it's always mm-hmm. a joy to have you seriously and i and as you as you said you're very well loved here in memphis yeah. mm-hmm. and um truth be told I mean I, I always laugh because um, I've told Kira and Sylvie this before but you know when we're priests you go to people's homes you could be 900 pounds and they think you're starving to death yeah and to like you need to eat more father I had dinner last night at a uh, family's house that I'm very close with and um, and the the you know I love it but they're watching you to see because if you eat too much then um, if you eat everything, they refill it. But if you don't eat enough, they're offended, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, but with that said, what is your favorite food, Father? Like if My you're gonna, if you're gonna dig into something, say, mm. man, I just really crave blank. Mm. Yeah, craving, I don't know. But you know, um, I guess like you know, I go through phases, so I like different stuff. So like right now, like Indian food, I just love mm-hmm. the different flavors of Indian food. Mm-hmm. It is so good. Mm-hmm. good. Different curries and it's things. It's my like favorite that. food. Yeah, it's mine too. And and you know, like the cousin of that would be Pakistani food as well. Um, when I was in New York, uh, I had friends with who had a Pakistani restaurant. It's just just amazing. So um, those are, that's kind of like my go-to right now. If I have a choice, like Oh yeah, I'll get 
I'll get some of that. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. 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 It's neat, isn't it? Because like with, cause you, Kira, you, you, you like Indian food too. I do, but I'm very new to the Indian okay. scene, to the scene of that type of food. You're a neophyte. Yeah. To I, the Indian yeah food. That's a good way of putting uh-huh. it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's good. But, but the, the Indian food conversion is happening in your stomach. Right? It is. Like you're, you're, you're coming over to the beautiful side of Indian food. It is. It is. But I haven't been to enough places to eat Indian mm-hmm, food yeah, like on a yeah. on mm-hmm. a frequent basis at all but when I have I had like the stereotypical thought like I'm not gonna like mm-hmm. it I don't like, really mm-hmm. like the smells mm-hmm. sometimes or whatever mm-hmm. and then I got beyond that and oh mm-hmm. wow yeah. my favorite good. Indian restaurant here in Memphis is called Mantra hmm. and um, it is so good I get my stomach does a nine-day novena before I go there to eat <laughs> and so like I'm getting spiritually prepared to partake yeah. right and one of in one of our previous podcasts we we're talking about you probably know this father there's five types of curry so there's red curry they make with chilies green curries they make with green chilies white curries they make with coconut milk uh, of course, yellow curry has turmeric in it, mm-hmm. which is what most people know, typically from Madras. And then uh, black curry, mm-hmm. which um, they, they eat a lot in like Trinidad and Mongolia. So they char the seeds, like the, the fenugreek and the mustard seeds that are typically in it, they char them black. Mm. And then they make it with that. And it looks like the ashes one would have received on Ash Wednesday. I mean, it's that black. Yeah. And so, but, oh my heavens, it's so good. Mm. Well, and you know, what I, I love about uh, connected to the Indian food is that in my experience of life, the nicest people on the planet are Indians. Mm-hmm. I have never met a nicer uh, ethnic, if mm-hmm. you will, people on the whole planet. They are the nicest people. They're so kind. So part of your experience at the restaurant, too, isn't like get, get you in, get you out, you know. It, mm-hmm. They're just so, so nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. It's just a, a, a wonderful cultural thing that they, they carry yeah. with mm-hmm. them. That's mm-hmm. been my experience. It's the nicest. Very family-oriented. Yeah. Very family. Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very family. Oftentimes, the restaurant's the family business. Well, yeah. a lot of them are, you know. Yeah. But um, but it's just a it's a it's a beautiful mm-hmm. and wonderful tasting experience yeah. huh yeah they yeah. the my favorite is what they call biryani so biryani is it, it's kind of like we would have lasagna that you layer it with noodles mm-hmm. and meat and cheese and all that so they would they would do like basmati rice layer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then they would do chicken uh, basmati rice vegetables basmati rice so they kind of layer it like that yeah. and then they bake it it's so darn good, man. Yeah. Oh, it's exquisite. And they the basmati rice is always cooked perfectly. Um, but yeah. I, no, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. I mean, the, the paneer and the, oh my gosh, it's mm. amazing. So what you're saying is after we record this, yeah. we're going out I to know, eat, right? It's, <laughs> it's a done deal. We're going. We, me and Sylvie would say, it's justo necessario, right? Yeah, yes, yes. No, and it, but it kind of it kind of makes me think. And you're talking about the these families. I mean, we're, I was thinking it might be good for us to ca- just kind of talk about what life is like for a parish priest. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times people know they know Catholicism from the pews and sitting in the pews and listening to their parish priest mm-hmm. um, as much penance as we put them through, or yes, at least I do. Yes, we do. And mm-hmm. so, uh, but what's it like actually being 
a parish priest, you know, and working in a parish. Yeah. Um, and kind of being with people in the peaks and the valleys of their life. And I, I would just say for myself, um, you know, I've been ordained almost 17 years. I think I, I, love, I love being in a parish. I love being with people. And, um, and I remember when uh, I was writing my dissertation, I, I had like couple of years that I was not in a parish several years and and you know I felt like part of my heart was extracted from my body it's mm-hmm. probably not unlike parents that are away from their kids in mm-hmm. some ways um, but it was just felt abnormal mm-hmm. right it just felt abnormal uh, for for me I think you know one of the things that that I love about a, the life as a parish priest is every single day is totally different yeah. I mean, it's really funny because as the saying goes, you know, I had uh, some of my priest mentors, he said, Ben, you can kind of plan on about 20% of your day and you just have to shift gears yes. mm-hmm. on what what comes up. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and it's really, really true. Um, so, like, have you kind of had similar experience, Father? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, you know, we don't understand this, and you can go to, I, I always call it the cemetery, seminary, uh, <laughs> and go to the cemetery to learn how to be a priest, you know? Yeah. Um, Laying down but, one's life. Yeah, I know, you know exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they do their best, but you really don't know what it is. It's, it's like parenting. It's, mm-hmm. it's on-the-job training, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but when, when you get ordained, when a man gets ordained, something we would say this like theological language, like the catechism, like there's a mark that's that's placed. You're you're, you're ordained. It just it, it's a different connotation for our Protestant brethren, but for us, something truly happens. Like something changes about the person on the soul, and that is that all of a sudden they are, um, if you will, likened to Christ, ordered to Christ, and and therefore all of the desires of Jesus that we can even see in the Gospels, but even uh, within his heart today, uh, himself as priest and laying down his own life for his people, they, they in a very mysterious way, um, by osmosis or whatever, they, they come into us and to, the, and to our desires. Mm-hmm. So a, a perfect example. When our Lord, um, I, I don't know if they got out of the boat him and the apostles and they saw the big crowd yeah and it said that the scriptures are and you know the, it's a it's a well-known greek word you know but the the basic gist of it was his heart broke mm. for this big crowd of people because they were like sheep without a shepherd mm. and that happens when we're ordained like those desires and and, and when we see people that are a little bit lost in life the priest there's something within the priest, it could be other people too, but there's something within us that wants to minister to that. Mm-hmm. And so I think in my experience of like, even where the church is at today, you know, which is, which is in a, you know, it's, it's always been, I guess, in a tough place, you know, in a tough world, is that the priest, um, in a way through his preaching, certainly through his example, through his, the gifts that God gives to him, that um, in a way, the, the way that I kind of see it is like he, 
he's there to bring the morale up, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, not just as like a cheerleader or something, but to give hope to people mm -hmm. and to say that God is there for you. You know, so he really represents that very fact that God is here with you in the midst of whatever you're going through. During World War II, I remember reading this book in seminary. It was called Battlefield Chaplains. And there was a, a high-ranking officer in, during World War II said, he, he calculated that a Catholic priest chaplain in World War II was worth 10 infantrymen hmm. by the effect that he had on the men around him. Wow. That, that was their experience, is that they, they brought the morale, they brought the spirits up or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's not that, it's not that we um, have a, a recipe to do that, but I think when I think about my daily life, you know, so when I wake up in the morning, right, and, and I'm doing my prayers and I'm preparing my homily for Mass, I have all of this actually in mind that I realize life is really hard for people and it's really hard to even have your faith. How can I speak to that and help others, mm -hmm. you know, in that, in that difficult journey? Mm -hmm. um, how can I help them? And you go to the hospital and, and you're, you're doing um, a sick call or someone's dying. Like, how can you, how can you bring, you know, the, a message of hope and love into this situation? As difficult as mm -hmm. it is, you know, how do you bring that in there? So for me, like, that's what, um, being a priest really means now that's really hard to do because mm -hmm. we have up and we have we have hard days we carry a lot of stuff and so how is it that you can still minister to people in that way i think that's because we live in an age which is very difficult to have faith just look at the empty pews or father my kids don't go to church or my 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 grandkids aren't baptized mm -hmm. how many times right. we hear, it's the number yeah. one thing we hear in mm -hmm. confession actually bless me father for i've sinned it's been two weeks my kids don't go to church you yeah know? right yeah. it's the number one thing that mm -hmm. that we hear it's a very very difficult age to believe so how is it i think um, and and not by you know in a false way by telling jokes or or, you know, I'm going to be hip with the kids, you know. How is it that you can really um, bring the Lord in a tangible way to these people where they can experience him? Mm -hmm. You know, you create an experience for him. And I think that's the tough role, but it's a beautiful role as a mm -hmm. priest. That's kind of how, yeah. how I kind of try to carry my daily life. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, Father. Thank that's you. Beautiful. You know, and, <clears throat> and maybe just to that point, I think a lot of people would ask the question, uh, and Kira, you have many, many years working in, in mm -hmm. parishes as well, so maybe you could mm -hmm. speak to this. But um, <clears throat> I think you know, people would ask the question, I mean, those of us that, that work in ministry, mm -hmm. um, gosh, aren't you guys tired? I mean, like, how do you, how do you re-juice? How do you stay fresh? How do you uh, find energy? Because when... Uh, you know, in any given moment, I, any given day, I could say for myself, it never ends. I mean, mm -hmm. one, you know, I, I probably have five uh, suicide funerals a year. I probably have, you know, a couple uh, murders. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we have at least one funeral, one to two funerals a week. So, and then hospital visits, counseling crisis 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 at all times so how do you in other words 
how do we, those of us that work in ministry, people will often ask, how do you guys not just Mm -hmm. throw in the towel and say, man, Mm -hmm. I just can't do this anymore. I'm just beat, you know, and some guys do. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, and so, um, what would you say to that, Kira, like in your experience and in, in ministry? Like, do you ever, and, and I hope I'm not prying, but do you ever get, uh, does that ever weigh heavy on you? Oh, yeah, definitely, uh, for sure. And I, I, in my instance, I always have to remember my vocation comes first. And I have to keep that priority um, because if not, then you can always be saying, well, these people are in need. I need to minister to these people. I need to minister to those people. Well, well, everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody is in need of someone to, to minister to them. But the first ones I have to minister to first are my husband and my children, and I have to create healthy boundaries. But then even at that, I, I'm, as I'm listening to the two of you, you know, ministering to people, that is your vocation. This is your vocation. And, uh, and so I'm kind of, I, I think a lot of the times the parishioners look, at, look to the priest as somebody, like, I can't relate to them. Because oh, I'm sure they've got this, you know, this amazing holy li- or you know, not necessarily holy life, but prayer life, and they do this or they do that and they do this. But what I'm hearing too is we can completely relate to each other, especially as as married couples and as as you know parents. Yeah. Because at 3 a.m. when the kid is throwing up, you get up out of bed and you got to go take care of that child, and it's crisis the garage door breaks and then the dishwasher breaks Hmm. and then the you've got a leaky roof and then you've got and it's a lot of most of the time and and really that whole planning 20 minutes yeah that 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 might go well but then the rest of your day it just goes haywire and you're just sometimes feeling Mm -hmm. like you're putting out dumpster fires and then if you throw in ministry on top of that that can definitely take Mm -hmm. over um and so I think for, for ministers, we have to prioritize prayer time. Um, we have to prioritize our family time. And then, and then the rest, uh, then ministry yeah. comes in. Um, but, but I see where it is, we have to cling. We have to cling to the Lord because without him, our hope goes away, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it can... Family life can be daunting, and the the, the yeah. age we live in can be very daunting and scary if we are not clinging to him yeah. and, and on, hope, on hope. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I've done a lot of parish missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a few here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys, yeah, it's been been great. And my custom was was when I would go and show up at a place at a parish mission, I would go meet the staff. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see who was working there, mm-hmm. and because. It's very difficult, as you said, to work for the church. Mm-hmm. Now, why is it very difficult? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same reason why it's difficult to be a priest, I think, you know, so in the daily life of a priest is one is the mission of the church and the mission of Jesus, it doesn't end till he comes back. Mm-hmm. So there could, but there can be this kind of pressure um, upon anyone who works for the church. It could be put on by other people or, or yourself we've got to do this, we've got to do that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and hold on here, you know. So I'm always, I was always good, like even the people uh, at my parish, get out of here, time to go home, <laughs> go to your family, you know. Uh, your day is done here, you know, mm-hmm. because it's Jesus's church, right? And he can, he can go about doing the work, you know, the work while we sleep, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. so you, 
that was always a big thing. And the second thing, too, is that you have to have a good understanding that we're all sinners, mm-hmm. right? And so people who work for the church, then all of a sudden they see the, the priest foibles, you know, and mm-hmm. they're like, mm, wait a minute, you know, and yeah. I thought the priest was perfect. Yeah, right. Like, Ooh. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you need to have a strong faith if you're going to work for the church mm-hmm. because you, you'll see the, the fallenness, the fallen human nature. And then also just to recall, though, the, the, be- the meaning of what it is to be a follower of Christ is that is that is forgiveness. That is mm-hmm. the central mm-hmm. theme of everything. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even for the priest, we need to go to confession and we say, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. And and that sets the best example. I'll even say that to, to parents, you know, oh, I kind of messed up. Allow your your kids to experience you apologizing to them if, mm-hmm. if you need to apologize, because then that gives mm-hmm. them good example mm-hmm. as they get older as well. Yeah, no, what a great point. I mean, and you guys touch on something very, very important, uh, the kind of this understanding that you can't give what you don't have, mm-hmm. but then also um, kind of keeping what and who is important priority. Mm-hmm. And for, for every one of us, uh, really the most valuable thing we've got is time. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I do think it's, it's such a, an absolutely vital point that you're bringing up, Father, because and truth be told, I think as we, I think it may be the good about getting older is we realize that maybe we have a, a deeper sense of our own boundaries mm-hmm. and our own limitations on the and and we're okay with the fact that we can't do everything mm-hmm. um uh, as parish priests i remember uh, for well i would say for many of us when newly ordained it's one of the maladies of younger priests is that you kind of feel like it's my job to do everything and mm-hmm. when saint paul says i become ev- everything for all people mm-hmm. we kind of think it's my job to become a savior Mm-hmm. And um, and so a lot of parish priests overwork themselves, and they kind of become the pope of their little parish. Mm-hmm. But I think as maybe as we get older, um, it, we're maybe more comfortable with the fact that no, I can't do that, nor am I supposed to, mm-hmm. and right. that's okay, mm-hmm. right? That's okay. Yeah. And yet, I would say, to some extent, there's, in my opinion, there's this healthy sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be apathetic. On the other hand, uh, we don't want to be pathetic mm-hmm. in, in the sense that we're, we're uh, lazy, but there's a healthy sense of urgency, right? I think I would say I think some parishes, some pastors, some dioceses have just kind of hit the autopilot button too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, and so there's this healthy sense of, okay, well, you know, work is good. I need to work, the aura et labora mm-hmm. way of thinking. On the other hand, uh, I'm not the Messiah. You know, I remember right. Benedict XVI's first encyclical was released on Christmas Day 05. It was called uh, uh, um, uh, God is Love. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, he said in this encyclical, he said that, uh, look, we can't do everything, but we have, to, we have a deep sense of peace that we can do something, but we don't need to do everything. So I say that just to echo your point. Yeah is I think it's really important. And, and we can go to bed with a clear conscience, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, going through in the catechism and the profession of faith at the very beginning where we're talking about Christ. And there's a, there's a section in there for cate- catechists, those who, who teach the, 
the faith, who hand on the faith. And the key thing that stuck out to me recently was we're collaborators with the Lord. We have to collaborate with him. And in collaborating, that means that I'm not the savior, mm-hmm. but that he, he wants to work with me. He wants to work in and through me. So I need to, I need to collaborate with him instead of just think I got to do this on my own or, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I thought that was really, really beautiful and, and helps us to mm-hmm. keep priorities straight. Um, cause that was probably one of the best bits of marital advice that somebody mm. gave me one time was, yeah, your spouse is not your savior, mm. you know, <laughs> and, uh, they can't be he can't be all things to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, a lot of us sometimes do that to the other mm-hmm. person um, and, and can do that to our priest and are not forgiving to, you know, to each other for that reason. So. Yeah. Yeah. Father, do, do you have like when you're, um, what would you say it has been in your ministry because you've been there 17 years, roughly, as well. How many years have you been there? 2005. 2005, okay. Yeah. So what would you say has been the uh, the greatest challenge that you've seen in, in your ministry as a priest? Yeah. Yeah, and it's the ongoing challenge today, as I see it, uh, especially the church in the Northeast, which is collapsing and imploding mm-hmm. in, in so many ways. It's, it's rediscovering the, this idea of what it is to be Catholic, you see, um, for most people in the north, uh, say the Northeast, mm-hmm. but it might even be down here too, the idea to be Catholic is, well, I go to St. Michael's or I belong to this church. Whereas you, people don't have a sense that to be Catholic means what happens over there affects us. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this whole notion of, but we're going to have to learn this the hard way. Mm-hmm. And so... But I think, like, I know you do a really good job with that, and I try to do it as well. It's like we're all on the same team here. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're in Memphis, you're in Matamoros, Mexico, whether you're uh, in Pennsylvania, we're all on the same team. And I found, like, the biggest struggle is this sectarian notion of Catholicism based mm-hmm. on parishes. Now, we kind of did it to ourselves, or it kind of was the result of, of the immigrants coming over. But this is the only way we're going to survive going forward yeah. mm-hmm. is is really leaning mm-hmm. on. And I and I think that there needs to be a rediscovery of how we care for one another mm-hmm. as well and how the church cares for its priests. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. th- there need this this really does need to be rediscovered. Um, so that's our work as priests mm-hmm. and that we're, we're a bit of team builders. But the difference between the secular world is that Christ is the center. Yeah. And that's what the priest can can keep pointing to. We're we're building a team. We're on the we're on the same team here, right? Mm-hmm. So you may like I have people in my parish who, you know, maybe aren't really pro life and they're really they don't know if they even believe in the Eucharist. But the way my approach is that, okay, how can I, you know, be present to these people and in preaching and bring them along, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to where the heart of the church is. Rather than just shutting them down. Rather than just get into, well, they're over, you know, sectarian, mm-hmm. whatever, politics of the church, you know, how is it that I can bring, you know, everyone, not me, you know, but but through mm-hmm. through what the Lord has given to me, bring them to a place which is more in the heart of the church and the Catholic church as well, what we, what we really mean by, yeah. by Catholic. So, 
that's what I think an answer to your question is, what is one of the, the biggest challenges mm -hmm. that we have, but it's a wonderful challenge to yeah. have too. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. Well, I know you rock that. I know you rock it, man. They're, they're blessed to have you. And um, thank you for joining us today. Great. Yeah, it's thank awesome. We're going to go get some Indian food Let's now. Let's do it. Yeah. And um, <laughs> listen, it's great to have you. Don't forget to put soul in your food and give food to your soul. God bless you.